Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the Unbreakable Podcast. I'm your host, Connor Lenahan, here on a unfortunately really, really cold October day, uh, back in the legendary Studio 308C, and we've got a uh, which got really wonderful guest with us today, uh, BU's own, a journalism alum, and a friend of mine since... God, what, freshman year of college here now, Tom? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Tom Correlation. Tom, how are you doing? I'm doing great, Connor. How are you? Pretty good, uh, other than being completely freezing. Yeah, it's uh, it's not the best uh, day today. Why do we have to be getting, like, snow in October? That's really it's, what I understand. Yeah, I mean, the thing that bothers me most is, like, it's just one day it's, like, 40 in the morning, and then it's 70 at 3 o'clock, and then by 5 o'clock it's... 30. Yeah, it's just yeah. all over the place. It's impossible to plan for that. Because yeah. you'll get out and it's like, oh, I'm going to be bundled up in like a fleece and a hoodie today. And then you're like, I'm sweating and I feel like I'm swimming in my clothes. Exactly. Then the millisecond you strip down, it's awful. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, thankfully, so the weather is ridiculous, but also in the most awkward segue I can think of here, uh, more ridiculous and uh, something that you had texted me about that is really going on now and I've covered a lot on Unbreakable and we talk about a lot is um, both of us are big fans of Grantland, mm-hmm. uh, the ESPN offshoot that uh, Bill Simmons ran for four years until now he's left for HBO and his own uh, ventures. And right now Grantland's going through like some really hard times, and it doesn't look like they're going to be around much longer. So I think we both just needed to like get out and talk about what in the hell is going on. I mean, I've been like I've just been chewing everyone's ear off, anyone that I could find. And one thing I realized was. Nobody cares. So really? I was like, so I was just like, I mean, maybe it's because most of my friends like aren't huge into sports, and they hear Grantland and they don't understand that it's not only sports, right? Because it's owned by ESPN. Everyone's like, oh, sports, sports, sports. So none of them like actually think of it as something that they would be interested in. And then I was like, at one point, I was just like, I can't deal with this anymore. I'm vending to people who don't care. Exactly. So I pulled out my cell phone and I was like, "All right, Connor, we got to we got to get to this. We got to sit down and talk. Like, I need someone who I can actually talk to about this and vent." And it's just what What's funny to me is that like these are people who I'm assuming are they just like general kind of people that would be out like watching sports, watching TV, or are they more like you're an actual, honest to god, journalism major. I used to be where it's like I'm just a Grantland fanatic because I read all the time. Where it's like it makes sense to me why you would be like really concerned about this because like they'd be a potential employer for you. Essentially, yeah. I mean. That's one thing. Like, a lot of my friends tend to actually make fun of me because I'm constantly on my phone reading something or have my computer open right. and I'm reading... Like, they, they, they all call me Tommy 2 because I constantly have two forms of technology. <laughs> and they're always making fun of me. And I'm like, listen, like, what like what, what else What else would you would you be doing right now? Just watching TV or something? Like Exactly. I, I, I don't know. I mean, I like to read. That's what got me started in journalism. It got me down this track and... It actually, it, it terrifies me that, that none of my friends actually read articles yeah, online because, like, that's my potential revenue stream. Exactly. Like, I don't know what I'm going to do. Not only does it speak ill of, like, our country on the whole, but it's like, oh, this is what you're studying and you're looking around and they're, like, actively making fun of you for what you yeah, want to do with every, your life. Every time someone tells me I don't like to read or how could you read, I, like, cringe a little bit because I'm like, because I don't know what if I'm going to be able to survive. <laughs> In well, the, the good news is, like, I think you'll have positions writing, or at least as a fellow writer, that's also where it's like, I kind of telling myself that, <laughs> knowing, here's hoping, really. But, no, and that's the weird thing, because I think, like, Granlin would be a perfect spot for somebody that's, like, either a pop culture junkie or, like, a sports junkie, or preferably both, mm-hmm. and now just suddenly they're going down, so, like... Yeah, and there's no really, there's not many other places that blend right. pop culture and sports. Like, while, while also not talking really as much about, like, 
politics and stuff like that. Because, right. like, there are obviously places that just cover everything. But, exactly. Like, I don't really want necessarily everything. I want to go to a place where I know what I'm going to get and I know exactly what I'm going to get. Their mission statement from the beginning in 2011 was so clear. Mm-hmm. Where it's like, look, you could go on to a site like the New York Times and you could, like, look at their sports section. You could also look at their, like, or, you know, it, all these, like, big uh, media websites, even, like, a Gawker or something like that. Mm-hmm. You can get stories that, you know, cross boundaries. Yeah. But Grantland was like, no, 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 no. We're, like, going to entertain you, but we're going to be really smart about it. Yeah. And that's, I think, what drew me to it when we would have been juniors in high school. Yeah. And, like, has kept us now to the point that we're juniors in college as well. It's, 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 the thing that kind of attracted me was it's, it's a lot of people who are similar to me in that, like, the same age. They're yeah. interested in the same things that I am. Exactly. And it's, it's not the same as, like, say, the New York Times, who has people who are, you know, 60, 60 years old working, who've been in the industry for, you know, 40 years and not to, say that they're, not to say that they're not good because it's yeah there's a place for it but there's also a different place for something like a 20 year old talking about why a specific type of oreo is good like, yeah there's a there needs to be a place for that you like, literally just explained why i would be a fit for grantland like yeah. that's kind of what i've modeled unbreakable off it's just <laughs> there's a need for it and, yeah and, and it's something different it's light-hearted it's it's fun. It's enjoyable. They news. don't take themselves too seriously. Exactly. Like, it's not, and yeah. they're not out to. They're not out to like. They're not as that typical journalism watchdog. Like they're yeah. not out to get you. They're just exactly. out to tell your story and tell stories of what is fun and interesting. And they tell like really interesting stuff too. Yeah. I mean, like um, the ethics of it aside. Like, have you read a piece that was better than the now controversial like Doctor V's magical putter piece from? Was that, it, I think, late 2014 or maybe even early 2014? <laughs> that, was, that was a while ago. And no, you know, I mean, like, I, I just, it's ridiculous. It, it's hard to explain. Like, Yeah. There's something magical about that site. Yeah. And I think you touched on it as well, where it's like, and we don't mean to throw shade on, like, the New York Times. Hire us if you want to. But, uh, yeah, like, I mean, I read the New York Times, too. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. But uh, it, there's something where it's like, those people are at the New York Times because, like, they're really, really good at what they do. Mm-hmm. But, like, you also have to work your way up that ladder to get there. Yeah. But and... for Grantland to be a place where it's like, I think it was so driven by personalities, Bill Simmons chief among them. Mm-hmm. Um, but on top of that, like, people like Rembert Brown, Shea Serrano, Amos Bouchard, Chris Ryan, Andy Greenwald, and I could go on to name the entire masthead of the site. Mm-hmm. And in between us, we probably could. That's like, it was so personality driven. And so it seemed like just the morale of the site was teamwork and they liked one another. Like, it's amazing how, like, I don't know if it was from the whole clash of Bristol versus LA, but like, it's amazing how tight knit that group is and together they are. If you follow one of them on Twitter, you're basically following them all because all they do is tweet at each other and retweet each other. Yeah. if someone steps in and, and tries to start a, a beef with one of them, the other one steps in, and it's just like, it's it's amazing. And it's case in point is when Bill Simmons left, and half the staff either left with him or, you know, r- refused to take promotions from exactly. ESPN and and get out of Grantland. It's like they're like literally will take a bullet for for Bill Simmons, and it's Absolutely. crazy. Well, it's it, two things with that. One is that I think you're dead on right, where it's almost like as if you're if you're following him on Twitter, it's like you have a brand new group of friends. Yeah. Because you'll see people where it's like Rembert Brown and Chase Serrano like playfully hate each other. They don't really, or if they do, they're doing a really weird <laughs> job of hiding it. Um, you know what I mean? But it's like they'll have like this ongoing Twitter rivalry, and it's hilarious to watch unfold if you know their personalities. And on top of that, too, it's really smart that you brought that out. That it's like, well, with Simmons leaving. 
Like, they were willing to follow him anywhere on Earth. Like, yeah. he's got to be the best boss in history if that's literally what the case is. And the thing is, like, and you, you can't, you could take my word for it because I'm someone who doesn't necessarily like Bill Simmons. Yeah. I think, I, I just, he just, something about him rubs me kind of the wrong way. Can you but, give me an example? I'm curious about this as somebody that's been a Bill Simmons fan for, like, the last eight years. One thing that's stuck into my mind, now, I'm, I, I don't really follow him too too much like I don't right. read his column and stuff like that but I think it's just because he initially rubbed me the wrong way but one thing that sticks into my mind was during the NBA draft or not the draft but the draft lottery yes last year two years ago I'm not sure which one but after the Cavs got their third straight number one pick or whatever yeah it was just it was just him on air just like bashing the Cavs and like I, I don't know, it just rubbed me the wrong way with him just openly, like, hating on a team over and over again. And, like, yeah. he just has that personality where he ba- likes to bash things and likes to be boastful and, right. like, yells a lot. And it's it just, does seem it like... me the wrong way a little bit. But, I mean, it's nothing that's... There's really... that fine line between criticism and just complaining, right? Yeah, exactly. It's just, he kind of seemed like he was complaining a little bit. And, exactly. You know, it's 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 just, just rubbed me the wrong way a little bit. But, having said that, I think he is the best thing to happen to ESPN, Absolutely. and I think that it's he must be an amazing editor slash boss slash leader. Exactly, and you know, and, and what he did for the journalism, uh, I guess, job or you know, uh, career, yeah. opening up Grantland and allowing that to happen, and. He built this brand new, not only a brand new platform for people to go to, but, like, opened it up for so many of these people that, like, I think almost we kind of take for granted of, like, how loaded it is, where it's like, you look at where the people are ending up as their next spots, like, Wes Morris going to um, the New York Times. Yeah, and and he he originally, while Bill Simmons was still there, he turned down the job, uh, the editor's job at the New York Times to stay at Grantland, and not that, like, Grantland's a bad site, but, like, it's not given... Uh, right. The resources to, to flourish like the New York Times is. Like, exactly. If you want to get your name out there, you work for the New York Times, you don't work for Grantland. Like, exactly. But he turned it into something that was willing enough for people to actually give it a shot. Yeah. And, and uh, that's amazing. And you're dead on correct there. And I think um, you're also dead on correct in saying that it's like they weren't given the resources, which I think is what Simmons' main sticking point was uh, that led to like his divorce with Yithian and a lot of the problems. Is he'd be like, if you're really all that in on Grantland, let us keep going. It's like push us as a big thing because he thought that that site could have probably gone on and done more. I think we're probably both in the same camp that we'd be like, no, Simmons probably was right about this, right? Yeah, I mean, one thing that I one thing that I've heard from this whole thing. I mean, I, I you can't you know quote me on these stats because I've just I've just heard them in pieces that I've read about it. But exactly, um, someone wrote that Grantland's annual advertising revenue was by like what ESPN gave them from ads was. Like somewhere between five and six million a year. Yeah. And Bill Simmons kept saying, you know, we need more, we need more, and they kept saying, you're not worth more. And now Bill Simmons, his podcast alone is worth five million dollars in ad revenue. Yeah. And like this is his privately owned podcast. He's not getting funding from ESPN. That stuff. he's like, been doing for a month. Yeah. Like, like it's it's insane for them to say that Grantland wasn't worth that much. Right. Because his he ran his podcast on Grantland, and that would have just been like. You know, yeah, a hundredth of Grantland's 
worth. Well, exactly. It's total worth. And, and it just, it, you're right. It doesn't make sense. I think that may have been from one of James Andrew Miller's pieces. Yeah. Um, I know you have that up on your laptop. And yeah. That piece is fascinating to me. Uh, James Andrew Miller being the guy who wrote uh, Those Guys Have All the Fun, the ESPN yes. book. Uh, I know he covers everything ESPN. But um, two things. One is that it makes me feel really bad about this podcast I've been going since July <laughs> and pulling in no advertising dollars. <laughs> Uh, but the other thing is, it's like, yeah, seriously, Simmons alone as an entity was, like, worth more than what they were willing to do to Grantland. And, um, I think there's a quote in that piece as well, where it's a filmmaker who's worked for ESPN, I don't know in what capacity, uh, they don't give much detail, but it was like, is, uh, like, Simmons hard to work with? Of course he is. But he's more important to ESPN than anybody else they had on the staff at the time. I mean, when you think about it, the ESPN now, like, 30 for 30 is one of the biggest things that ESPN now. And like, Absolutely. Mo- a lot of people don't know that that's like Bill Simmons' baby. Yeah. Like, him and a couple other guys that. built that up. And, like, it's insane to think how many different jobs Bill Simmons had at ESPN that people don't actually know. Right. It's like, so simple to you say just he's know just him a columnist. For his podcast column. But, like, he literally built Grantland, he built 30 for 30. Among, he did the NBA TV. Which I don't think he was even, like, contractually obliged to do. He just it, wanted to. Yeah, it's like. He did so much for them. And while, you know, I do understand where they're coming from. With, right. You have to do something when, when one of your contributors slash editors slash executives comes out and says, try and suspend me. Yeah. Like, that kind of is insubordination. Yeah. I don't, I, I don't know if his suspension was as much for the Goodell comment as it was for... I think, I think uh, uh, James Andrew Miller actually said one thing in a, in a podcast with Richard Deitch from... Um, at Sports Illustrated, he said, uh, someone at ESPN, he, he, now he didn't confirm this, but someone at ESPN told him it was one week for the, for the Goodell quote, yeah, or the, the, the calling Goodell a liar, and two weeks for the insubordination. Which, I mean, makes sense. I'm not a huge fan of you suspending your guy for saying that Roger Goodell's a liar. Yeah. Even though, like, I mean, Bill Simmons probably a little biased in that situation because just tiny bit. He's tiny a little, bit. you know, he's a little bit of a homer with the Patriots, but at the same time, like, you have to give your workers, your employees, a little bit of creative and, and well freedom, you know? Yeah. Well, it's like you have to be willing to, it's like, other. it wasn't like Bill Simmons was the only person criticizing the NFL for how they handled Deflategate. Yeah. I mean, like, he quoted this on that first podcast he did back, I think with uh, Cousin Sal or somebody, uh, where it's like, no, he was pointing out that it's like, no, very much across the board, everybody was like, yeah, what the NFL is doing right now is like pretty illegal. And like they're like it's uh, they're voiding the CBA. It looks like Adele's making stuff up that they don't have correct information. And it's like, well, why did Simmons get fired while all these other people are like submitting Pulitzer applications? Yeah, it's like probably because Simmons was doing doing it the most like casually, just like eh, I hate the NFL, you know, like fist yeah. waving. But it's ridiculous. At and point. at the same time, also that like Simmons is very much known to be yeah. the homer. Yeah. Know? The Boston guy. Exactly. The guy who's not going to go down without a fight if you're messing with a Boston sports team. Precisely. Now, here's my question, because I saw a story about this. I forget where, but it was like a rumor. Um, do you think the NFL had something to do with Simmons getting fired from ESPN? Um, I, 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 my t- I tend to think that the NFL didn't directly have something to do with it, but in the back of ESPN's mind, they're thinking... We got. What is the NFL going to think if we don't get rid of him? 
Exactly. Or don't do something, at least. As in my little conspiracy theorist loving mind, I am so totally in on this as a concept yeah. that Goodell calls up like John Skipper and be like, yo, you're firing Simmons. And he's like, okay, <laughs> salutations, I'm out of here. The, it's, it's kind of sad slash scary where these broadcast companies are at now. Like, yeah. when you think about it, how much money do they would they lose if, say, ESPN lost Monday Night Football? A ton. Billions, how much money would billions, CBS no. lose if they lost the weekly games? The weekly games alone, billions. And probably, it's, actually, even close to just for Thursday. Yeah. Because they insane. have like a billion for those rights. And when and you can't tell me that if you're John Skipper or the president of CBS, I don't know who it is. Uh, it's not less Moonfest, but it no, might he, be. Yeah, he's... He's Viacom. And I'm think. sure he has uh, someone else running the sports... Right. version of it anyways but was it Sumner Redstone is that it, I, yeah, it, I, it it's it's one of those guys yeah but it, it you, you can't tell me that in the back of their mind they're not making decisions based on ooh that might be questionable we might lose our TV rights we right. gotta change something about it right which in the end might be why Bill Simmons is best off at HBO anyways yeah it's like well, they don't have anything to do with the NFL TV rights so. exactly well it's the same creative freedom that like uh, by the way are you hoping as much as I am that they pair him with like John Oliver and give him that kind of show <laughs> if, I think that I think that's where it's inevitably going but another thing that actually intrigued me was I was listening to the podcast with um, James Andrew Miller and he was saying how potentially if Grantland does end up folding if ESPN does fold Grantland you know, they'll still own the name rights and the, the URL, but someone could buy it. Yeah. And, like, I, my immediate mind went to, well, Simmons is at HBO now. Could HBO? HBO, HBO he could, you know, get HBO to buy it. He's, he's done it before with ESPN. I mean, would they I don't think to? ESPN would sell it, and I don't, to, especially to Bill Simmons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, um, if there was a, some way they could pull it off, I mean, or just start a new one. I don't know. I mean, now here's the real question, though, is because I think so much of what the defining feature of Grantland was was all of those personalities. Mm-hmm. That if you're HBO, do you make that move, or like if you're anybody, do you make that move to buy Grantland for the brand, or knowing that people like Rembert Brown, Wesley Morris, Ryan Littman, Fennessy, uh, Ruben. Mm-hmm. Uh, Fearman and probably more, maybe Barnwell, maybe Mays. I, I wouldn't say probably. I, I would say probably more. Yeah. I mean, uh, so it's like this is only the matter, and it's like there's all those the little rumblings of like other people are on their way out mm-hmm. kind of thing. Would you still buy Grantland just for the name, or do you think that it's going to be more of a there? This is more just like a natural progression of something that was like a once in a lifetime anomaly from a journalism standpoint. If I'm HBO, I'm looking at Bill Simmons and saying, the one thing you cannot deny is his ability to evaluate and find talent. Yes. And say, listen, he's done it before, and he wasn't given the resources, and he still pulled it off. Exactly. I if, Imagine if the HBO would give him the resources. It'd be know? unbelievable. And it's not like HBO, you know... Would have to would be bankrupt by putting up a struggling website for the first year. Yeah, if Grantland struggled for a year, and I mean, and HBO is a company that can deal with that. They have I don't think HBO has ever been in like that big of financial trouble. Yeah, like they and, have. The, they, I mean, the amount of TV shows they have running strong right now. You know, they, yeah. they're still going to have another two, three seasons of Game of Thrones. Yeah, with have, very high production values yeah, on that. You have Veep. 
going strong. Yeah. You have John Oliver. John Jason Oliver, Oliver who's yes, very strong. Um, what else do they have? I'm drawing a blank now. Uh, yeah, same here. Because um, I just keep looking. The Leftovers is apparently really good. I've never watched the show. Yeah, I haven't. But I, like HBO just continuously comes out with stuff that's yeah, really good. Yeah, it's just constantly pumping out shows after shows. So I mean, well, on top of that too, one thing that I'm fascinated about is. Um, that HBO Go, excuse me, HBO Go has been around for a while now, but HBO Now is the uh, the standalone where like you can just subscribe to it like you subscribe to Netflix, mm-hmm. and HBO just changed the game by doing like what they've done. Uh, the only real versions of this I can think of are um, HBO and weirdly WWE, where like they've kind of cut out the middleman and like made their own. Just pay us directly for our content; we'll give it to you. Yeah, I'm. I'm I, that, bringing up that point i'm genuinely curious to know like how wwe network is doing because i was actually reading a piece on grantland today about um how hb i mean how wwe is struggling with ratings yeah on for raw and one thing they, they, they were kind of talking about was how they're you know trying to pull a con game on the, on the viewers by just constantly pumping out old superstars just re reinvigorating them into the into the action like they had Last week on Raw, I didn't, I didn't watch it, but I, I heard that they had Stone Cold, Shawn Michaels, um, Kane, Undertaker, exactly. and all these guys were the headline guys, and like, they said that they still had a, the lowest turnout and like, the it's second since, lowest ratings they've had. Since like 97 or yeah, something, Yeah, right? it, it's insane. Which, and by the way, can I point out that the fact that you said you knew they had all these people and you still didn't watch it is precisely why they're panicking? The, uh, yeah, the, I mean... I, I probably would have watched it had the Giants game not, not been on. Yeah, but, exactly. Although, after watching the Giants game, I probably should have watched it. <laughs> yeah, Giants, seriously. So. But no, um, I'm with you there. And I was thinking about this just recently, too, where um, I casually follow that stuff because, it, like, not specifically as a pro wrestling thing, but more conceptually, the idea of, like, we're moving towards this, like, cord-cutting measures and uh, the fact that companies can now uh, create their own distribution services and kind of vertically integrate that mm-hmm. in... Um, fascinates me being on the film TV side of things in school um, and watching WWE where they have to balance like what they're doing in terms of the quality of their content recently which hasn't been that great yeah. um, versus uh, like what they're doing in terms of like the fact that you could pull up every old match it's like even if I don't care about some of the storylines that are going on right now I can pull up ones I do care about and watch them straight exactly through. and that's the thing that like hooks someone like me who I don't follow wrestling anymore. Yeah. But like, as I shouldn't say I don't follow wrestling anymore. I, I own some video games and I play... Uh, exactly. I, I play wrestling video games and I, I follow it a little bit. But it was a major part of my childhood. Like, yeah. And a couple of my friends here, too. Like, we, 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 have, we have a group chat on Facebook called uh, Team Angle. Why am I not in this group chat? We just, we just, like, post random old videos of clips, like, memes and, yeah. and various GIFs and stuff. It's like... It's a, it was a huge part of us growing up, like exactly. It, well, it's no serious. I'm with you there too. Where um, I think a lot of it was, it's the similar appeal for me because of uh, everything bone condition wise. I was never able to do anything that's like overly physical. It's like, oh, well, I grew up in the era that's like you know the most physical in wrestling history. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like I came around in like 2002, 2003. So it's like, yeah, let me watch like Brock Lesnar, who eventually ends up being a legitimate UFC heavyweight champion, and Undertaker, and who's a six foot ten crazy guy, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, fight each other. And they're doing it again Sunday, and I'm really excited. But 
No, uh, just on top of that, it's like, the content itself is like kind of fascinating. Um, where I know I've written this, and I just did this recently uh, for Unbreakable, where it was like, it kind of talking about, uh, there's that video online, The Wrestling Isn't Wrestling by Max Landis. Have you seen this by no, chance? His whole uh, his whole thesis statement is that uh, wrestling allows you to see like actual great characters in fiction. Yeah, and that like Paul Levesque, who, um, who's married to Stephanie McMahon, mm-hmm. who we've seen speak, you will him as well. Yes. Uh, that he's been playing Triple H for fifteen years in different variations of the character. It's like, well, John Cena is like a well thought out character to the point that like he's on a TV show. He is a character. Like, there's a human John Cena, but there's also the idea of, like, the never give up, the kind of, I don't know if they technically make him a Marine or not, but, like, you know, he embodies, like, army strengths uh, sort of guy, and that's what's fascinating. And so WWE, as a media company as is, already is kind of interesting how it exists in uh, 2015, but then in terms of that distribution model as well, going back to kind of, like, how Grantland is and everything like that, is we're living in, wouldn't you say, like, an interesting time for how we receive news, how we receive content of all kinds. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the, like, t- Twitter, I, and it's been around for, what, 10 years, something like that? Close, it's getting Maybe, closer, yeah. yeah. I mean, it has changed everything. Like, yeah. I, like, every, I, I, like, I've watched occasional episodes of Raw in the last, you know, three or four years, and when I, when I first started watching it, like, it was literally you just watched it. Now it's exactly. like... Constantly, there's always something in the top corner, you know, hashtag Kane versus Roberts or something. Yeah. yeah, like, you know, uh, tweet at us. You know, you have all these guys tweeting back and forth with you, like su- actual superstars. Like, but one thing that I wanted to mention was, you know, you, you, were, you were talking earlier about it being like a drama and being taking it yeah. for what it is. Like, we, I watched Royal Rumble last year. Exactly. I wouldn't say I paid for it, but I watched it. And, um, <laughs> Well, why didn't you use the network? There's the three trials every month. Okay, <laughs> there you go. But, um, so me and two of my friends, we, we streamed it in our room last year, and the entire time we had our two other roommates just constantly in our ear, like, how could you watch this? How could you watch yeah. this? It's fake. It's fake. This is, this is stupid. Wrestling's so stupid. And we just had to eventually just explode and say, listen, either... Take it for what it is, or yeah. get out. Right, like, right. It is not, we're not taking it as something, like, that we're watching for... You don't treat it like, with the same... Like, it's not sports. It isn't sports. Yeah, you're not treating it like it's an NFL game. Yeah, it's, like, it's, it's a drama. That's what it is. It's a, yeah. it's a drama show. Like, the same way that you'd watch Game of Thrones on Sunday, you might also watch exactly. WWE. It just happens that sometimes things go nuts, and they're kind of making it up as they go along. Exactly. But it's like, no, it's kind of, it's interesting as a TV show. Yeah. And um, that's what's fascinated me, like, for the sake of writing about it a lot. Uh, just because it's caught my interest again where I've, like, I don't watch Raw every week, but I haven't missed a pay-per-view other than one this summer uh, because I was at a Foo Fighters concert in months. Because it's like, well, I can keep up with, like, the big tenets of the yeah. storyline. Yeah, and, and you miss the little things, but yeah. you, can, you can catch up with the big things. It's not, exactly. It's not a huge deal. You listen to the Cheap Peak podcast <laughs> on Grantland every week, you get the cliff notes of what happened. Yeah. I'm like, okay, I feel like I'm understanding they critique it for me, save me yeah. three hours <laughs> of my life. That's that's another thing. Like, I feel like we all started going downhill when it blew up to three hours. Yeah. It's a little too much. Well, it kind of in general, I would ask you this, because um, one thing that fascinates me is you told me this, uh, not on air before, obviously, uh, this being your first time on the podcast is you're taking a class right now to deal with, like, kind of sports journalism and things like that mm-hmm. that we've talked about for, like, basketball. And I'm curious, do you think that those kind of claims that, like, 
oh, these sports things are going on too long, and like baseball is lasting too long. Do you think those really have weight? Because I would be in, I'd be like in favor of baseball cutting, doing measures to make those games shorter. I think it's the it's really only baseball yeah. that has that main problem. Because football, while while some some games do drag on, most people can watch someone trying to beat each other up for you know two hours, two hours, like yeah. Those you're games are just, pretty self-contained. You're literally just watching people bash each other. But baseball's slow-paced in general. Exactly. So it's it's long and slow-paced, whereas the NFL is long, but it's still exhilarating and and like there's constantly something going on. Exactly. Whereas baseball, and I think I, th- I don't necessarily think it hurts or that it's detracting true baseball fans because, like I said, with wrestling, like I take baseball for what it is. I'm exactly. not going to sit there and keep. Focused on a game for three and a half hours, right? But I don't. I will put the game possible. on. I will put the game on and be on my computer. Yeah, like, writing, like doing some homework, writing an article or something, and I'll have the game. That's the thing that I love about baseball is it's something that that I enjoy. I enjoy truly enjoy baseball, and it's not something that I have to have my full undivided attention for. Precisely, if I miss one pitch, it's so probably it. the most passive sport possible. Yeah. Which actually, like we mean as a compliment to it, where it's like. Baseball is one of those, it, I think you're right, like, I've had, uh, I didn't have it this season, but, like, I've subscribed to MLB TV for full seasons, just because I'm like, well, if there's no hitter, I'll put it on, otherwise I just like baseball being on. Yeah, exactly. It's kind of nice, like, having the games go. Yeah, I'll just be sitting there, you know, listening to music, or sitting there, like, playing video games and just having it in the background, or doing exactly. homework, it's up in the background, eating, it's in the background. Like, yeah. It's just more fun that way. Yeah. Oh, God. Okay, so, Tom, what do you say we head into here, the thing we were preparing before the show, are little, uh, my favorite part of the show, the Give Me Something segment, uh, devised by our executive producer, Laura Lebrecht, who's just sitting over here hanging on her phone in the corner. <laughs> but, so, in this we have to talk about, so, uh, give people something from uh, TV, sports, music, and film, um, and it can be anything. I know last week I chose for music Rock Band 4, which makes no sense, but, you know, just going for it. Okay. So, uh, how about you start us off, unless you want me to start us off, pick whichever uh, one of your four you want to talk about first. Alright, so... You know, the thing that I love the most, besides sports, is probably TV. Love watching TV shows. Yes. Um, you and I are exactly the same. <laughs> if, I had to, if I had to say what show I think to recommend most, besides Game of Thrones, because I'm a huge Game of Thrones fan, yeah. and I think you should read the books, not necessarily watch the show. <laughs> but, having said that, um, The Blacklist and Homeland, I think, are the two best shows on television. Can you sell me on both of these shows, only because I have never watched an episode of either? Blacklist is the... One thing that I think about Blacklist is I don't know when the last time people have truly said something great about a network show. Yes. You have the occasional, like, um, comedy. You know, like Parks and Rec. Or right. The Office and stuff Modern like that. Family Modern Family a couple of years ago. Yeah. Like, but when was the last drama on a network show that, like, actually got critical acclaim? We were trying to figure this out before the show, and I think, and we can check this, too, is, um, like, the last one that got nominated and won... Uh, an Emmy for like best drama series was I think twenty four two thousand six, which is astounding to me to think about that. Yeah. Like I mean, I love twenty four. One of my favorite shows. Oh, of that all show's time. amazing. Yeah. I mean, Jack Bauer. He's an American hero <laughs> slash icon. I've seen Keith Sutherland in person. By the way, he is smaller than you think he is. He's like five seven. He's like five seven and kind of skinny. It totally changed my perception of how awesome it is that he was saving us did all. He, did he do the Jack Bauer voice? No, unfortunately, <gasps> I saw him in Mr. Chow out in Malibu, California. Not have been. Not have been. 
I would something have, to remember. I would have cried <laughs> yeah. if he did. It would have been amazing. <laughs> but by the way, for the blacklist, you could sell me in two words. And those James two words, Spader? James Spader. Yeah, yeah that's, that's what I love about it. I mean, the the main character. I think her name is Megan Boone. I think is the actress who plays um, yeah the main character. But I'm not a huge fan of her necessarily. But I can literally watch anything that has James Spader in it over and over oh, yeah. and over again. Well, he was probably the best thing in Avengers: Age of Ultron earlier this year, and, like, and it was just his voice. Yeah. And, like, it's just so captivating. He's so good at playing that mysterious, kind of cynical, like... Exactly. Kind of evil. You don't know if he's the good guy or the bad guy. Even in The Office, like... Exactly. He's, like, he's not necessarily evil, but he's just weird. Yeah. Like, he can play that weird, creepy person. Like, and that's why I like him. There's something very, very talented about him. Yeah, I mean, like... The black it's it's it doesn't get me wrong it's a it's a well written show it's right. it's great it's got some great actors and actresses in it but I mean I'd be I'd I'd be lying to you if I said without James Spader it would be right they, they cast anybody else yeah it's 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 James Spader and then well, Homeland you know Homeland's the it's it's the up and down you know one season's fantastic one season mm, questionable right but um this season they're I want to say three episodes in, and I feel like the the writers for it, I think, were just like tired of hearing people say, you know, like, it's this season's questionable, and they were like, right off the bat, we got it, we got to hit them, and exactly. it's like every episode so far this season has had a twist in it, and it's had a a major point where you're just like filled with adrenaline. Okay, so essentially, it's worth my time to watch it. Yeah, it's like there's no just like episode fully. With ex- exposition, it's okay, like that's good. If there's nothing like that's just like where it's let's move it along, let's let's get let's get to the next episode. Kind of, it's just like it's fully in, it's full throttle, it's constantly going. Okay, I and like this. There are some questionable things, like they had the issue where you know someone wrote and they had someone write in Farsi to make the set look more authentic. As like, oh, I, I think I think they were trying to make this. it look like a Syrian uh, like set in Syria and. Someone wrote on the wall. They hired a company to write on the wall. Someone wrote in Farsi, "Homeland is racist," and no one, no one, no one checked it. And you know, that's actually kind of amazing. All yeah, I, I don't really understand how no one caught that. But I mean, at the same time, I guess maybe no one spoke Farsi. But I mean, okay, apparently, yeah, apparently. it is what it is. You know. Oh god, oh, I gotta check those two out because apparently, people I know who are trusting you, being one of them, have said Homeland is good, especially yeah. Blacklist. I've heard good things across the board. There are some things though you might want to skip some seasons of Homeland. Yeah, I might, I might have you. Check. It's the same way that like if I could do it again, uh, season two of The Walking Dead. There's like three quarters of that you can just go right through. Yeah. Uh, um, which got mine, uh, I actually wrote about this on Monday of this week. Um, I'm guessing you probably didn't see The Simpsons from this past week, right? I actually don't think I've ever seen a full episode of The Simpsons. How is that possible? I'm just not a huge fan of, uh, of the... Um, like animated shows? Animated, animated shows. Okay, yeah. so I'm going to personally change that and I'm going to like just get, buy you a bunch of DVDs for Christmas. <laughs> but uh, The Simpsons obviously have been on uh, television since roughly the dawn of time. Yeah. Uh, in season 27 now. And they just had an episode, their first ever, that's like, and every year they do one where it's like we tell three Halloween-based stories uh, called Trios of Horror and they've been doing it for 26 years. That's this Sunday. Last week was the first ever just straight-up Halloween episode they did. Um, and it might be the best episode the show has done, and in my brain, I kept going back, it's like, it's at least the best in season 20, it might be the best since, like, season 14, which is, like, the last really good season of The Simpsons, like, stem to stern, and that was when I was in third grade, and it's like, uh, there's just a lot of heart to it, it's really funny, um, but it's like, 
one of those master classes in like uh, the Big Bang Theory couldn't pull off what this episode does. And it's why I like stick by The Simpsons now even 27 years later where it's like, no, this show can still be good as much as people do not believe me on yeah. that at all. Yeah, I think I think most people kind of at this point with The Simpsons, I don't think there's that many true every week watchers. But right. It's something that like everyone kind of knows it's on on Sunday and right, it's on Sundays, right? Yeah. Everyone kind of knows it's on on Sunday and they're just like you know, if I'm around, I'll watch it. Exactly. And it's like they, and they can survive friends. with that because they have so many, they've built such a large fan base that even if they get 25% of their fan base to watch on Sunday night, like, that's an incredible amount of people. Exactly. And plus, I really hope that The Simpsons takes on, like, you know how there's that thing, like, the Frasier challenge, like, to watch, like, it's a, essentially like a marathon watching challenge, like, uh-huh. since Frasier has, like, 11 seasons of hour-long episodes or something like that, that's, like, a lot to get through. Mm-hmm. It's like, I want our next generation of people who want to, like, grow up with something good to have to get through all of The Simpsons, because that's over 500 episodes worth. It is as deep a thing to get into <laughs> as possible. Yeah. Oh, God. Okay, so we've got sports, music, and film left. Where do you want to go next? Um... We can go to music. I'll talk, about, I'll talk about my girl, uh, Taylor Swift. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm a self-proclaimed Swifty. Um, <laughs> huge fan. You know, Please um, tell me you saw her in concert this summer. No, I didn't, which was actually... I wanted was, to. I really wanted to as well, but no one wanted to go with me. It's hard to find uh, it's Why would we just Swifties. go alone? Um, I saw Drake alone. It was, like... it was hard because of... I live in Connecticut, so... Oh, okay. Had to, and no one comes to Connecticut, let's be honest. So yeah. I'd have had to either come to... I'm about halfway between Gillette and, uh, what's it called now? The Giant Stadium. Oh, MetLife. MetLife. Yeah, so it's, you're driving like two or three hours yeah, either way and then, to get to, okay, so yeah, that makes so sense. So it's, it was just a little inconvenient, but at the same time, next tour is coming around. My brother now lives in Chicago, so I might have to go visit him and go to a concert with him. But, um, yeah, I mean, this new thing with her and... First of all, I don't, don't really know what's going on with her and Calvin Harris, but... Yeah, you know, that, uh, that story is interesting, and that yeah. one I'm still following to understand what the hell is yeah, going on. Yeah, I honestly have no idea what's going on there, but um, yeah. now this whole thing with The weekend, and I love it because... So, you know, the details... Yeah, those of you who don't know, I mean, uh, yeah. Taylor Swift, uh, with The weekend like, tweeted something or said something to the media about when he, when he met Taylor Swift, she constantly was, like, petting his head. Because she wanted and, to feel his hair. I mean, listen, it might be a little weird, but, like... Do if you blame I, her? If, if I'm with the weekend, I think I might be petting his hair. Like the most like, defining portion of the dude is his hair. Yeah, I mean, Nobody I don't know how many times I would do it, but like, it, like I want to know if it's like real, if it's what's right. going on with his hair. Like, I don't you know. can do a quick tap tap just to yeah. double check. But apparently, she <laughs> was going in, Yeah, like she was going like full in, like stroking it and yeah. shit. Like, oh god, it might be a little. Uh, it might be a little questionable, but you know, hey. Exactly. Yeah, what you gotta do? Tiny bit, yeah. Uh, which got? I'm gonna go with um, somebody recently, and this will be incredibly odd. Uh, but who's been kind of winning me over after she was on Saturday Night Live last week is uh, Demi Lovato. Weirdly, um, where she popped back into my consciousness because she released it. And Laura's uh, shaking her head disapprovingly here. Uh, she had a song called "Cool for the Summer," which uh, WWE had used for SummerSlam. Only reason why I ever heard of it. But then um, she had done two songs uh including or and the, one with a medley in cool for the summer on saturday night live uh one of which was confident and uh that's her new album and it's like really interesting because like she's a good singer not a great singer but um the beat to it was like really really good yeah so I, i'm genuinely cur- i'm curious to get your opinion on this because i think i put snl on on saturday and, and she just happened to be playing i, I think that's yeah. how this came up but um 
one of my roommates mentioned that he was sick and tired of everyone trying to be Adele. And I, what do you think Ooh. of that comparison? Because, like, obviously, she I don't think she's as talented as Adele. I mean, not that I'm a huge right. Adele fan either, but, it, like... It, look, it, it, I'm not either, but it's impossible to, like, yeah. you know, go against the fact that Adele isn't hugely talented. Yeah. Um, which is funny, because neither of us watched her new video yeah, that came it's, out. That's true. Uh, I'm trying to think here. He probably would have seen the second of two, where she was doing, like, more of a ballad kind it was, of thing. Yeah, it was, it was, like... She was alone on stage with a piano. Yeah, and it was like okay. dark, and so that's a song called "Stone Cold," which is more like she's trying to be Adele, which is like I get that, but I also think that Adele's probably just the best at it currently, um, mm-hmm. rather than it's a specific to her trait. Okay, but because uh, her other stuff is more like there's like a little bit of techno and cool. Yeah, for the summer, and or cool it's for like the summer. Yeah, that's like a pop, like yeah, hip hip going up tempo yeah. like nothing so, like Adele but I don't know if I'd necessarily agree with her being like Adele quote unquote but I can sympathize with like you need to find a way to stand yourself out from that crowd mm-hmm. and I think she's getting a little better at it in terms of um like being a former Disney star that's out there cause like she came out with an album early and then like she kind of disappeared for a while she right? was always like around well, but she wasn't like prominent and I, and I know she had a lot of like uh, personal problems right. and stuff like that but, like, I just feel like she disappeared for a while. She was on, yeah. like, what was it, The X Factor or America's yeah, Got Talent yeah, or something? Yeah, Like, she was, she was here. She was present. But yeah, but like, she just wasn't making albums. Like or if she albums. was, she wasn't, like, or, making big albums. Yeah, exactly. Um, which is why this is interesting that she's kind of, like, come back around. Mm-hmm. It's, like, it's almost like she's kind of late blooming into figuring herself out, which I think, it, from a personal standpoint for her, is good, because I'd never hold that against anybody kind of mm-hmm. trying to figure themselves out. Yeah. Her message for it is, it's, like, what's wrong with being confident? Yeah, it's, and like, it's good. Good for it's good for society, honestly. Yeah, like, like that's a good message. Advocates, she's an advocate and who like can advocate for being yourself. And, exactly. Yeah. Which is, so her message is really good. I think it's just interesting watching her kind of playing around a little bit. Mm-hmm. That's why um, I'm curious to see what she does more and how she kind of handles herself now because I think she's officially recaptured some of the consciousness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd agree. So we've got uh, TV and sports left, or uh, no, movies. movies and sports left. Um. All right, we'll go to movies, I guess. Uh, Good call. So, you know, Star Wars trailer came out recently. Yes. And... I wrote about this last night. I'm a, I'm a fairly big Star Wars fan, but I wouldn't say, like, that I'm a huge nerd for Star right. Wars, you know? I um, like Star Wars. I probably haven't watched the movies in a few years, yeah, but, like, exactly. I have like, nothing bad to say about like Star Wars if, at all. If you... Like, I'm a, I'm a big fan of Star Wars, but if you started quizzing me on it, like probably would fail your quiz right it's like you can name like major stuff but if i'm like oh what's the third line of the third scene it's like yeah yeah. um but having said that with the new trailer coming out all i've been reading about is luke turning to the dark side didn't this stem out of a conversation mark hamill and jj abrams had or something I, i i've heard two different things that one it was like 10 years ago mark hamill had a conversation with jj abrams and one thing that i heard was that Immediately following filming of the sixth episode, um, Mark Hamill went up to uh, George Lucas and said, I want Luke to turn bad because I think that it'd be great to port to as an actor, I feel like that would be a great thing for him to like for him to do. Not I feel that way. He felt that way when he was saying to George Lucas. Exactly. And George Lucas's immediate response was just no. That's what I read. I don't know. Which which I agree with. I mean, like, I think it would be kind of cliched to have 
yeah. Luke turn to the dark side. I mean, like... Like, without really, really nailing that exposition, right? Yeah, like, like it's just... It would just be a weird turn for me, like, the fact that, like, he... Like, if you were gonna turn to the dark side, why wouldn't you do it when your father was tempting you? Like, right. I feel like there's why no greater force the in the world than, than trying to be like your father. And yeah. it would just be a weird turn for me for him to... Well, the end of, like... The sixth movie is all about, like, the redemption between father and son, and, like, the fact that he's trying to turn him dark, uh, bad, and then, like, Vader kind of redeems himself, and, it, like, they end up being good, and Luke Skywalker is literally the white knight of that film. Yeah. Why would it make sense to then have him go bad just because, like, oh, I casually feel like being a bad guy now? Yeah, and we, Unless and they we really need, uh, explain it well. Yeah, and, like, it just, to me, it just wouldn't fit. Right. It, and, and, like, things that I've been hearing are, like, you know... Oh, he's going to turn bad and he's going to kill Han Solo. Or he's going to kill his yeah. sister. Or he's going to kill someone which, else. Which I just don't think it would fit. Like, yeah. Well, the other thing is, I think J.J. Abrams is like a huge Star Wars guy. So it's good that he's at the helm. Yeah. Because he's going to be respectful enough of like knowing in that universe it wouldn't work. Mm -hmm. Which is, it's the same way that it's like, you can't give me some brand new show and tell me to run it. Because it's like, well, I'm not going to know what the world is, you know? Yeah. Like, you could plot me into Lost. I knew Lost pretty well. I could handle that show and, like, do what the message is. But if you gave me, for example, Homeland, it's like, I haven't seen an episode. I don't know how I'm going to handle it. Yeah. I so, yeah. I'm of the mindset where the old returning people, say, uh, you know, Han Solo, Leia, yeah. uh, Luke, I think that their roles should be limited to semi-cameo. Like, yeah, you can give them a minor storyline, but I don't want them to be the major part of the story. Yeah, because like, it's, it's time for the new it's, story. It's time to move on. Like, you got yeah. you got your three episodes, and now we got and now we have like forty to fifty years of fame. Exactly. Out it, of, it, like, it, it's just I think that it would be weird to see an old Luke trying yeah. to do something, yeah. or an old Harrison Ford trying to reclaim something. I, exactly. Well, for uh, Ford's health alone, I'd want to see him. Like, just yeah. well, didn't he, I think he broke his leg while they were oh, filming really? the movie? Yeah, I could get this totally wrong. I think I'm right that he uh, got like injured on the Falcon uh, while they were filming that. So it's like uh, I'm just going to be trying to uh, figure that all out. It's going to be weird. Yeah. Uh, but the interesting thing, and this will segue into it, is I think that movie will probably end up cleaning up every technical Oscar possible. Oh, yeah. Um, and did you hear who's hosting the Oscars uh, next year? Chris Rock. Right? Are you as excited for that as I am? Uh, I think, you know, I think it'll be very very good. I mean, yeah. first of all, I mean, I, I love the... Who hosted it last year? I don't even remember. Last year was Neil Patrick Harris. Oh, yeah. And I mean, he's... he's, a, he's the, that's completely opposite hosting, too. Yeah. Which I think is, is, is nice to get, because... I don't think you can get more of a uh, clean drama type play type like no, Neil Patrick, Patrick Harris, or unless it's like Ellen DeGeneres, who was the year exactly. before. Exactly. I mean, I feel like this is kind of like the them just saying, you know what, we we've done this a couple times. Now we just need to turn the page and right. try something new. It's kind of it's uh, I think a perfect fit in that uh, rather than go for somebody who's like a do it all. DeGeneres, uh, Hugh Jackman, Seth MacFarlane, uh, Neil Patrick Harris. It's like, you know, just give someone who's a good host. Like, Jon Stewart did a good job with him once upon yeah. a time. Chris Rock is uh, probably going to do another good job I, with yeah. him. Yeah, see, my thing with Chris Rock is, like, is he a great host? Maybe not. But is everyone there going to have a good time? And everyone in the audience gonna, and everyone watching right. at home going to have a good time? Probably. Because here's the thing, though, and I, that's a good point, too. Do you think there's anybody out there who would be good enough to, like, command the room that also couldn't just get away with doing the hosting stuff out of pure charisma? 
Like, for example, Amy Schumer, I think, could walk in and destroy, because she's so funny off the cuff, that it's like, it seems like the hosting stuff, they pretty much coach you up on that enough, no matter who you are. I agree, yeah. I mean, like, I, f- I feel like there are certain things that they're just going to tell you you have to do, and you're going to have to do them the way they want you to do them. Yeah. And, you know, that's, the majority of your hosting responsibilities, to, per se, are going to be things that you don't have creative freedom in pretty much you know you're gonna have to announce people in a specific way you're gonna have to you know throw things to a different segment in a specific way so i mean the only real time where you have creative freedom are like a handful of jokes thrown in the middle and then your monologue exactly and i feel like that's why you should get a a comedian someone who can deliver a great monologue and a great a couple jokes here and there that's what kind of remember going exactly now, here's my question for you. If you were allowed to alone pick who's going to be the next Oscar host, like, let's imagine that Chris Rock said no and it's your choice, who would you pick? Maybe, I know who it is. Maybe because, maybe because it's just in my mind because last night I watched his acceptance speech for the Mark Twain Award or whatever it was, but Eddie Murphy. <laughs> Murphy's a good choice. I'm mad he didn't do it a couple of years ago. Um, Murphy, yeah, Murphy I think would do huge. I mean, I think that in, in a host, I just want someone who's not afraid of repercussions. And not yeah. necessarily repercussions from the Academy, but repercussions from... Like, everybody else in Hollywood? someone in the audience the wrong way. Like, yeah. Someone who's respected enough where if you kind of give someone a little jab, like, they're not going to be offended. They're just going to exactly. be like, all right, you know. They'll take it and move yeah. on with the kind of thing. Stephen Colbert is my answer. Okay. Because I think Colbert is the least, like, Hollywood of those people in that Colbert could end up doing it and being okay with it. Yeah, I mean... Um, it also... He'd do it in such a creative way that, like, I don't think anybody... He could, like, really, really piss anybody off, but he could be, like, snarky. Now, right. have you watched The Late Show at all? A little bit. I saw some of its first week, but honestly, I've been falling asleep. Yeah, I mean, like, it's it's difficult. It's difficult in, in a college setting to kind of tune into those shows. Exactly. Which has upset me because I planned on watching the first week and I have not seen even a clip from yeah. the show. And, you know, he it, did it do its thing. Um, I think he's on repeats this week because okay. I, um, I was watching uh, the Thursday night game last night, Seattle and San Francisco. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, I think he was doing repeats, but he did a thing with Tom Hanks. Where it was really funny. It's just them like lying down, looking at the stars, asking like big questions about the world. And it's like the fact that he can be so playful and get people to be so playful with him. I like a lot. And then he also got um, Run the Jewels to perform with TV on Radio as the backup band. And I was like, okay, that's that's really cool, <laughs> uh, which was awesome. Yeah. Okay, you want to bring us home with sports here? Yeah. So I mean, big thing that I'm looking for this week is Utah USC. Yes. I mean, I personally don't think Utah is that good of a team. And I think USC is well. They've had really their, no word to describe. They've USC really had right some problems this year, given that Steve Sarkeesian was fired after one day after being told to go to rehab for alcoholism. Yeah. And you know when you allegedly show up to a press conference, you know a little little yeah. too turnt. Showed up on the sidelines <laughs> a little too turnt. And when you're sent home by your, what was it, offensive line coach or something, yeah. your, the meeting was called, canceled on a Monday because you showed up drunk. Like, Oh, God. Uh, I mean, it's, it's unbelievable. Part of like, me feels really bad for Sarkeesian, but at the same time, it's hard not to like find amusement just because I personally dislike USC, and at the yeah. same time, they've made so many mistakes over the past 
everything Eight years. But, hell, even everything at the end of the Pete Carroll yeah, era. I mean, it's just the Reggie Bush nonsense. Yeah. Like, oh, I think I I think Pat Hayden needs to go. I mean, yeah, because that's officially that's a mark of like bad things are happening there. Ditto to like Louisville and things like that. Oh, Louisville, but, that's another that's a whole other issue. Yeah, Bill Simmons had pointed out today. He's like, if uh, Patino didn't know, then he needs to be fired. If he did know, he needs to resign. He's like, no way is that redemptive. And yeah. I haven't looked at that story much, but even like the headlines I'm seeing, I'm like. Yeah, we had a we had a reporter, um, Pete Thamel from uh, Sports Illustrated, I believe, or yeah, so I don't remember where he was from, but he he's the college football slash basketball reporter there, and he's broken a couple stories in the past, and he was telling us yesterday about how um, he got that the Louisville story uh, a day in advance. And he was like calling everyone trying to confirm it, and he said he talked to Rick Patino, and Rick Patino was saying, you know. It's something something's happening I don't know what it is yeah but, you know something's happening but he was like I just didn't want to touch the story because something about it seemed fishy to me and yeah. I didn't want to run the story and be like Ooh. am I going to get caught here so he was talking about him being in an interesting position because supposedly what happened was the story was going to be broken by like the Indiana Business Journal or something Really? Like, because the, the, that's who had the rights to the... Or that's who was the original one who the person went to with the story. Right. And he was like, something about it just seems so fishy. And I didn't want to write a story saying, like, um, you know, something's going to happen tomorrow and then nothing happened. Exactly. Like, so it was just kind of an interesting thing. And I mean, that's the whole thing is just weird. This has Honestly, been an interesting just, time for these sports stories, don't you yeah, think? Like, it's like... It's not the actual, like, story necessarily that's weird because, like, do I believe that, you know, an assistant coach or whatever was paying for prostitutes for the recruits? I mean, yeah, I believe it. Like, yeah, it's like, <laughs> I've heard some other things, like, from other schools in the past. Like, it's happened before. It doesn't like, seem that far out. Yeah, like, it's just, there are, like, weird, weird little minute details about the actual story yeah, that seem, it's, like, weird. It, that's why it's like I'm kind of curious to see how this all plays out. Yeah, and it, that's why it's in uh, that and the kind of the Sarkeesian story too. Because I hope he gets better. I, yeah, I like, agree. I gen, like I only hope for the best for him. But in that story, it's like I, this is incredible. It's and shocking. as much as I don't know what's going on, yeah, um, which is fascinating. My, but having having said that, I do think USC is going to beat Utah this weekend. Really? Yes. You think that it, I would be interested to see that happen because I don't know if Utah's that good either, and I barely watched them play. Yeah. But I, I think the whole entire Pac-12 is. Questionable. Do you think the Pac-12 misses the uh, college football tournament this year? Unless Utah goes undefeated, I think they do. Yeah. Which I also think they should expand the college football playoffs. You and I both. And just give each winner of the major conference a Like one spot. And then have, what is it, there are four or five major conferences, five major conferences? If you gave like the power five yeah. guaranteed and then like... And then three, outli- three like, outside bids. You could sell me on that. Yeah. Because, and like, even the outside like... bids, don't give them a championship game, have them play each other in the last week to get those three spots. Exactly. Because like, who wants to see like the, what's it, American East championship game? Like, yeah. It's a meaningless game. I mean, exactly. I, it means something for the teams, I guess, because like, you kind of want to be your conference champion, but at the same time, like, why not give them like an extra big game that could boost them into the title picture. Right, because like, now everybody's, like, there are so many good teams now that everybody's yeah. going for the title. No, I'm with you there. My it, my sports thing also is just, like, short, and it's as much as, hey, uh, I'm really excited that Carson Palmer is back healthy. Because, like, he's... For now. Yeah, for now. For now. <laughs> Here's hoping. Because yeah. uh, uh, he's going to be hopefully taking my fantasy team to its fifth straight win and bringing me to 5-2 and two over my brother this weekend. 
But um, it, Palmer, I think especially, has been a revelation this season. It's like, here's really, really hoping, knocking on wood as I say this, that uh, Palmer will be okay for the rest of the season because Arizona, I think, could be special. That's genuinely one of the saddest stories in the NFL is Carson Palmer. Like, his How last, his, like, what is it, 10 years he's been in the NFL now? Like, yeah. It's like... Oh, no, uh, he's closer to 12 or 13. Yeah, I mean, what was it, his second year with the Bengals when he tore the ACL in the first round of the playoffs? I think so. And, like, and ever it, since it then, his it's career just, up. like, it's, it's been one injury after another. And, like, yeah. speaking of USC... Yeah, it's like a former Heisman <laughs> Yeah, but, um... It's it's insane to think of how unlucky of a career he's had. Right. And the fact that he's still stuck around like this. Yeah. Because, like, he played for the Raiders for a while. Forgot that the other day. Yeah. Um, he was being, like, held captive on that bad Bengals team when they kept losing and they eventually had to get Dalton mm-hmm. um, and A.J. Green. And now he's in Arizona. He's able to, like, now they finally has a good team around him again. It's like, now he's yeah. flourishing. Exactly. It's like, you just really hope good things come from Because yeah. he seems like a good dude. I, I, yeah, I, 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 I obviously don't know him, but, I mean... He seems like a guy who I would want to back. Exactly. I, I, want, I want him to succeed. Plus, he's in the red-haired brethren for me. So it's like... <laughs> I, we stand with gingers. Exactly. exactly. I, uh, I had to play Palmer against Andy Dalton this year, and we oh. called it the ginger bowl in the XFL. Mm-hmm. Oh, God. Tom, you got anything else for us here before we let you go back to whatever journalism projects you have to finish next? Um, uh, I don't have much in the week. I just kind of want to end it on saying that I hope something good happens with Grantland and I hope it yeah. doesn't go away because it's just a great thing and, and I feel bad for Chris Connolly who is yeah. the interim editor-in-chief because Connolly one, seems like a really good dude he, and I love him on E60 yeah but he just wasn't the right he's not the right guy for the job I mean he's yeah he's already starting a little bit to kind of get people to try and be in more investigative pieces and like that's like, not that's what Grantland is Grantland's feature writing and yeah. he's a reporter it's like it, exactly it's one of those like I know I'm never going to write for the Daily Free Press because I'm not a reporter I'm a columnist at heart yeah. and it, no I'm entirely with you and it's one thing is just also he was put in a bad situation besides that because because like we spoke to earlier about how Grantland has that we stand together attitude. And yeah. when you bring in an outsider to run it... He's like a stepdad. Exactly. And as great of a guy as he is, like, it's yeah. a difficult situation when you have... You're bringing a guy from Bristol and exactly. to run an, an office in L.A. Who, exactly. I mean, is he even in L.A. or is he still in Bristol? Like, Yeah, I genuinely don't know. Yeah. But it, whatever it is, I don't think he's fitting well. It makes me sad because I like the guy. But yeah. yeah, I'm with you there, where it's like, I'd want Grantland to be... It, I hope it sticks around, and I hope it just gets a new crop of writers and yeah. keeps going, because that site has been one of my favorites, as I'm wearing my Grantland basketball jersey <laughs> while we're recording this. For, Tom, thank you very much for joining us. Thanks I hope to have you back soon. Yeah, uh, A big thank you to our executive producer, Laura LeBrecq, for uh, helping us with everything podcast-wise. Our art directors, Kate McIntyre and Dan Asperg. Shout out Tate Eggs for following me on Twitter. Uh, you can f- uh, check us out at ConnorLenahan.com for the blog, and at uh, Unbreakable Pod uh, for any of the updates both the podcast and the blog follow us on SoundCloud and our iTunes whichever one you prefer to get more of the podcast and we hope to hear you back soon